If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 37 and 19. And remember that after service today, we have Next Steps class in the uh, chapel. Genesis 37 and 19. Then they said to one another, look, the dreamer is coming. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, because it's more than a book, it became flesh and dwelt among us. I pray, Father, that you allow it to dwell in us today. God, let us consume it so that we can be found pleasing to you. We ask, Father, that we could decrease so you could increase. And we'll give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would say this with me, dreaming again. Any of you ever found yourself just dreaming? You know what I mean? You ever go down the road and see where they, they've got a lottery that's like a billion dollars? And you start dreaming? And after a while, you figure, man, that's just going to be a nightmare. Just, you, we, we dream. We, we tend to have things that we want to do that we dream about. But all the time, those dreams are not always uh, brought on by God, are they? Some dreams are because of a trip to Pizza Hut. Some dreams are because of an abundance of thoughts during the day. How many of you have ever had a dream you were trying to get out of? You know what I mean? You're literally dreaming and you're thinking, oh man, I need to wake up. I need to wake up. And then you ever have a dream where you did wake up and you go, oh, I need to go back to sleep. I need to go back to sleep. Because it's like you wanted to finish it. You weren't quite done yet. And uh, Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph's dreams were not his own. Joseph's dreams came from God. One of the challenges we have is discerning which dream is a product of my own thoughts and which dreams are coming from God. Because sometimes, man, you can have a dream and it turn into a nightmare. You know what I'm talking about? You ever dream of owning something? And I forgot, we had a motor home, looked just like a Frito-Lay truck, man. I, I told God before I went on the road, I said, I, I can't, we can't go on the road, you know, unless I got a motor home or a trailer or something. You got to be careful what you tell God you need. And all of a sudden, you know, and, I, and, and so God gave that to me, and man, I was so excited. I, there were times that I was in that motor home, and I, I was just so thrilled, and, and tears running down my face, you know, just to thank God that I'm here, and, and I'm sharing the Word. And there were other times I was in that motor home with tears running down my face, going, dear God, what's going on with this motor home? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, man, we had a, I, I'm telling you this motor home, it, it, it had, it looked good on the outside, but, the, well, it looked like a Frito-Lay truck, but I mean, you know, it, we, we were going, I, I never forget, we were headed to Rogers, Arkansas, and it was in January, and, and man, I had my family in there, and, and there was no heat in the motor home. We had a furnace, it just didn't work. So we, we, we flipped the seat, and I had my wife and my children shoved underneath the dash of that motor home close up there by the engine, Sam. They had a big blanket wrapped around them. I had a big parka on, zipped up like this, and I had, I, I had one hand shoved in a pocket, and I'd drive about 10 minutes with this hand, and then I'd put that hand in my pocket and drive about 10 minutes with the other hand going back and forth, and I'm thinking, oh, man. This is a blessing. <laughs> See, sometimes God is trying to get us something, and, and we're settling for something else. So Joseph has a dream, and he begins to communicate his dreams to his brothers. 
And as he begins to communicate those dreams, his brother don't quite get his dream. You know, he, he and it's, well, maybe it's his communication skills. He goes to him and says, man, I've had a dream, you know, and there were all these stalks of wheat standing up, and, 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 and my stalks stood up straight, and your stalks all bowed down to mine. It was a wonderful dream. Depends on which stalk you are. And what was a dream to him was like a nightmare to his brothers. And they thought, man, who's he think he is? And he had another dream. And then his father looks at him and says, well, you think you're going to rule and reign over your mother and I? And sometimes when God shows us something, he doesn't show us everything. Anybody ever been there before? where God doesn't show you. Matter of fact, one of the things unique about Joseph's dreams is when you look at what he didn't dream. He never dreamt that he was going to be sold as a slave by his own brothers. That didn't enter his dreams. He didn't dream that he was going to wind up in prison. That didn't enter his dreams. So can I ask you a question? When he wound up and sold as a slave and wound up in prison, was that a part of God's plan? Everybody got real quiet. See, here's what we don't like to admit, and we don't want to come to grips with the fact that sometimes on the road to see your dreams fulfilled, there's some hardship you're going to have to go through. What God calls you to, he has to equip you for. And that 17-year-old boy wasn't ready to lead a nation that was the most powerful nation on the face of the earth at that time. But when God got through with him, he was going to be ready for it. <laughs> so whatever you find yourself in, in the turmoil or what you feel like the dreams become a nightmare, don't throw it away. Don't give up. Don't walk off. Just raise your hands and say, here I am, God. Just go ahead and dream your dream through me. Help me not to grow discouraged. Help me not to give up. Help me not to quit, but just to hang on. Somebody say, hang on. Man, I, I remember dreaming I could fly. Anybody ever? Wave your hand if you've ever had a dream that you could fly. Hold, hold your hand up. I want to see. I thought everybody had that dream. I, I, I dreamt, man, I, and I was, getting, I was getting down. I was figuring out. I, I was running and jumping. And then when I jump, I'd, I was doing like the side stroke. And it was, I'm telling you the truth, I had this dream, and, and it was catapulting me through the air. And I thought, man, this is great. And I was doing the breaststroke, you know, and just, and, 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 and just moving right along. And I woke up and found out I was just dreaming again. There are some things that God puts in your spirit for a purpose and a reason. And you can't let those go. And everything that God shows you in a dream doesn't mean it's going to come without trial or without test. The question you've got to ask yourself is how bad do I want this? How bad do I want it? How many of you have ever wanted something real bad? Wave your hand if you've ever. I'm, I'm talking about how many of you ever saved money for something you really wanted? And you would do without. You would, I, I forget who it was, but I was, I was talking to someone and they had, one, they had one of their children. And one of their children, man, was a saver. I mean, they saved and scraped every penny they had. And when allowance would come around, they, you know, they would take theirs and they would put it back and they would not spend it. All the other kids would go out and they'd buy candy and all that. And she would go out and she would get a piece of candy from them. I, I don't have any. That's what you call an entrepreneur. <laughs> that's, that's just, uh, you know, and, and so she's, she, she just kept saving and scraping because she wanted something so bad. We need to dream. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, you need to dream. When, when you don't dream, it's detrimental. Dreams change the world. 
Columbus dreamed of a world that was round. Everybody else said it was flat. It's because of Columbus's dream that the world was round that he discovered another portion of the world that nobody else knew existed. I thought about Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison had dreams, but his teachers thought he was an imbecile. They were sent, he was, any of you ever get sent home from school? You don't have to raise your, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, did you ever get sent home and then have to communicate to your parents that you've been kicked out? And, and, and that's, what they did. that's what they did to Thomas. They, they sent him home. They said, don't come back. You don't have the capacity of learning. You, you know what Thomas's mom did when he came home and said that. Thomas's mom looked at his, her son and said, what do those people know about teaching a genius? It was true. It was true. That's what she said. See, she believed in him, and she encouraged him to dream. To, he, there were so many things that he had in his head, and he wanted to see. And you have to learn how to build on other people's dreams. Think about this. If I help you with your dream, it could be that God's going to send somebody to help me with mine. <laughs> If I help you achieve the dream that God has given you, doesn't it just stand the reason that God will send someone to help me achieve the dream that God has given me? And so when you build on somebody else's dreams, Thomas Edison was not the first person to invent the light bulb. He built on that dream. He took that dream and he fashioned it and marketed it. And because of that, we are in a light a lit auditorium today the first person to make the light bulb was a guy by the name of Adolf I think his name is pronounced Chalet Adolf made the light bulb with a certain filament now think about this he built this thing with a filament that uh, is still burning the light bulb was made in 1901 and it's still burning today how many of you have got a light at your house that's lasted that long? 1901. This, is, this light has been burning for more than 120 years. And the bulb has not gone out. They said the wattage has diminished a little bit. It's not quite as bright as it was. But, you know, when you've been around that long, how many of you know that sometimes you're not quite as bright as you used to be? <laughs> 120 plus years and they said that the thing has only been off in that whole time it was only off for less than a week when they had to make a move and uh they they in matter of fact they didn't want to take a chance in blowing the bulb how many of you ever unscrewed the bulb and poof. so what they did is they cut the wire and because they cut the wire the guinness book of world records said because it was such a short amount of time, I think it was 22 minutes, they had to relocate. They said that that won't count against the, the amount of time that it's been burning consistently. Man, how many of you want your light to shine like that? Just keep on shining and burning. But you, they had to have dreams to do it. Henry, did you, did you throw up the picture of the light bulb? There it is. See, you thought I was kidding. There it is right there. That light bulb has been burning since 1901. And don't anybody think about turning it off. It's on a roll. Now, go to uh, the next picture. Henry Ford had a dream of creating an automobile that everybody could afford. But do you know that when the, the first automobiles, when they came out, they sold for, in 1907, they sold for between $1,500 and $2,000. Do you realize how much money that was for them? $1,500 to $2,000? And Henry Ford said, you know, he said, there ought to be a way to make this where every, every person ought to be able to afford an automobile. Boy, we need Henry to be resurrected, man. <laughs> every person ought to be able to afford an automobile. So what he did was he created, he had a dream of an assembly line. Because what they did is they would make these things, and when they made them, they would make them one car at a time. So Henry fashioned an assembly line, and when he put this assembly line together in the first year, he was able to reduce the price to $850. 
He cut the price in half. Within seven years, he dropped the price to $350, and he doubled everybody's wages that were working for him. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> Where's Henry when you need him? And so th those dreams, and, 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 and he shared that, and he made a difference not just in his life, but he made a difference in other people's lives. I mean, can you imagine trying to navigate without an automobile today? There's a couple brothers that are named Wright. Everybody say the Wright brothers. They had a dream of flying. They weren't the first ones to take to the air. Several people did and broke their legs and arms, and, and some didn't survive because they had a dream of flying. But the Wright brothers were the first to create sustained flight. And when they did that, it paved a way. Now, now hear me. It changed the way the world would hear the gospel. What are you talking about that? I'm talking about because before that, a missionary could only be a person that was committed for years of their life. And they'd have to get on a ship and spend months on that ship to get to where they were going and then live in a place for years. Because of the Wright brothers' invention, it literally propelled what Debbie and I did for 21 years. We took ordinary people. We, we had a line or a slogan that said, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And we proved it by taking people on short-term mission trips. So a guy could take off work for a week and go to Trinidad, fly to Trinidad or fly to Mexico and have an impact with the people he would have never seen had we not had been afforded the opportunity to do that. How many of you have been on a plane in here? How many of you have never been on a plane in here? <laughs> Who's a pilot in here? I'm just saying that sometimes we limit our world because we won't step out and dream. Somebody say dream. dream. Did you ever stop and try and consider who was it that figured out that some of the stuff we eat was edible? I mean, stop and think about it. Some of the berries that we eat, I mean, poke salad. Has anybody in here had poke salad? You know, poke salad. I didn't know poke salad was poison. I didn't know. I'm serious. Poke salad's poison. You're supposed to wash it. We did. We washed it off and cooked it up and ate it. And I'm still here. But someplace, somebody didn't make it. How do you know that? How else did they find out it was poison? I'm saying that somebody had to experiment. Somebody had to make up their mind. I'm, going, I'm willing to take a risk and step out. And can you think of one of the Wright brothers that got in that thing knowing that people had died? And he said, okay, push me off the cliff. And here, here he goes, but he had a dream that was bigger than he was. Joseph's dream was bigger than Joseph was. But sometimes when you find yourself in that situation and you, you, all of a sudden you had a great dream, but you find yourself in the midst of trial and testing and you're thinking, where's my dream at? God, I thought you were going to do this. I thought you were going to do that. And I, I mean, I, if you could just hear God, God would be saying, what makes you think I'm not going to? Just because you're going through something doesn't mean I've forgotten you. Just because you're facing some troubled times doesn't mean that my plan has changed for you. We got to get a backbone instead of a wishbone. Stand up and say, here. I am God I'm going to trust you I'm going to believe you no matter what's going on somebody say yes they had to push through to see their dream there was another man that had to push through to see a dream his name was Martin Luther King Jr. 
It saddens me that there are people that actively work to try and make sure that his dream doesn't come to pass. Listen to what he said. I have a dream. A dream that one day my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Where there is no dream, where there is no vision, people what? Perish. That's scripture. That's his word. The word vision there can be translated dream. Where there's no dream, people perish. Do you know a university did a study with a group of students concerning dreaming? And what they did is they hooked these students up to monitors at night, and they would allow them to sleep, but they would not allow them to dream. If there was activity spotted on that monitor, they would go over and shake the person and wake them up. Say, hey, wake up, and then they'd let them go back to sleep. That went on all night long. They would get a reasonable amount of sleep. They just weren't allowed to dream. After the first night of that, the next morning when they got up, they said that the students seemed a little nervous and uneasy. And so the study went into a second night of sleep with no dreaming. Anytime activity showed up on the monitor, they woke them up. No, 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 no dreaming. You can sleep, just don't dream. That next day, tempers were short and everyone was on edge. The third night of being allowed to sleep but not to dream, the next day produced signs of psychological breakdown and they ended the study. It shows you that God created us to dream. The question is, is whose dream are you dreaming? Are we dreaming our own dream or are we dreaming God's dream? We have, God has made us to dream. Such was the case of a little girl. She was born on April 1st, 1961. The day itself seemed to laugh at her when she was deprived of oxygen long enough that it created a mild brain damage in her. The physical trauma created a learning disability that made her the mark of every bully in her school. She grew up and her mother and father were both musical and so they gave her that gift and she found a way of escape through music and it seemed to be the world that she loved to thrive in. But her father died. And after her father died, she became a caretaker to her mother. And her mother would always encourage her to sing. And most of her singing was karaoke. And then one day her mother died. And she quit singing altogether. Her song stopped. No more dreams for this girl. Until one day in April of 2009, one of her friends had convinced her to perform to honor her mother. And on that day, this is what happened. Okay, what's the dream? I, I'm trying to be a professional singer. And why hasn't it worked out so far, Susan? Well, I've never been given the chance before, but he's hoping it'll change. Okay, and who would you like to be as successful as? Elaine Page. Elaine Page. Like what are you going to sing tonight? I'm going to sing I Dreamed a Dream from the Miserables. Okay. Big song. <laughs> yeah? Yes.
she literally walked off the stage after that song. She forgot that she was supposed to stay there for the judges. She turned around and marched back, and each of those judges had an epiphany. They looked and said, that's the biggest shock I've ever had. The young lady that was a judge made a statement, and she said, I know that everyone in here was against you. They judged her by her look, by her demeanor, but they didn't know her dream. And all of a sudden, that, that young lady said, this is the biggest wake-up call that we've ever had. Simon looked at her and said, I knew when you walked out on stage that something wonderful was going to happen. And so the, the whole point was this, is that in that moment, because someone encouraged her, because someone believed in her, because someone spoke to her, she got up on that stage where she never would have gone on her own, and she began to dream her dream. Since that day, Susan Boyle has sold over 25 million albums. She has streamed more than 250 million songs on the Internet and has been viewed on YouTube more than 650 million times. All because someone said, Susan, you can do it. You can do it. But remember, dreams don't come without struggle. In 2022, Susan Boyle had a stroke that nearly stole her dreams. She lost her ability to speak. She lost her ability to sing. But in 2023, she got back up on the stage where it all started, and she sang the song that it all started with again. And she told about her struggle. She said it was a fight. She said, but I was not going to give up. I was not going to quit. Simon Cowell looked at her and he said, I'd heard about your struggle. I'd heard about your, 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 your health concerns. He said, but I knew if anybody could come back, you could. You, you, li listen to me. God has put something in each and every one of us that is his DNA. Let us make man in our likeness, in our image. Do you understand that there's something wired in you that never quits, that never walks away, that does not accept defeat, but stands up and declares that I've been made more than a conqueror through him that loved us, that I will not give up, I will not give in, but I will be what God said I would be. Joseph discovered that God can bring you from the prison to a palace in an instant, but he will not take you there until you're ready for the palace. He will not allow you to go into the palace only to fall on your face and stumble and not get back up. He says, son, before you go there, I'm going to have you so wired. I'm going to have you so pumped up. I'm going to have you ready for what it is I've called you to do so that when you stand in that place, there aren't enough hells and enough hells. You're not going to win this devil. <laughs> there are not enough devils in hell to keep you from doing it. Amen. So what happens when you do what you did, Pastor? Oh, I can. What, what happens when you misspeak? What happens when you embarrass yourself? You get back up and go all over again. Say, so, well, what, you, you, you really believe in that? Let me tell you how much I believe in that. I was preaching in a place in Missouri, and they had a built-in altar. I went to step over the altar, and I hung my heel on the altar. It spun me around, and I fell flat on my back on the floor. Debbie will testify to it. She was there when I did it. Fell flat on my back. What'd you do? I got up, dusted myself off, turned around and looked at the congregation. I said, I couldn't make you believe I did that on purpose, could I? <laughs> and everybody, and, and I said, go ahead and laugh. Get it out of your system. You're not going to get through life without struggle. I remember preaching in a place and there was a bunch of trash bags. <laughs> you remember that place too. A bunch of trash bags that had balloons in them. 
And all of a sudden, I had this bright idea that I could jump on that trash bag and pop that balloon. And I got the idea when I was up here. <laughs> Thankfully, God said, that's not a good idea. <laughs> and I got down here, and I thought, well, I can do it from here, and sometimes God will just let you. And I, I stood from here and jumped, and when I hit that, I didn't dawn on me about the slick shoes I had on. And when I hit that, how many of you were here for that service? Wave your hand. Oh, for those of you that weren't here, I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> oh, she's saying there's a video of it out there. I jumped, hit that balloon, my feet flew out from underneath me, man, I, pow. Annette Miner was here that day, and she was in the back going, don't do it, don't do it. I didn't hear her. <laughs> you, you, you've got to push through your struggles. You, you're not going to get through life without making mistakes. Amen. You're not going to get through life without falling. The difference between failure and victory is whether or not you choose to get back up. Somebody saying, I'm getting back up. I'm getting back. I'm, I'm not going to stay there. I'm getting back up. Joseph was in that prison, and Joseph made a decision to get back up. When that butler and baker had a dream, and Joseph could have looked at them and said, man, I'm not, I'm not sharing anything with you. Look at the mess I'm in. I, I'm not going to say a word to you. But he did. He opened up and began to minister to them. If you feel like you're in a rut or you feel like you're down, the biggest way out is to minister to someone else. I went to work one day. I was working a secular job. I'll never forget this, Dwayne. I went to work, and I, I, I just, you know, it had some struggles, and I, 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 I wasn't my normal perky self. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm there, and a guy comes up to me at work, and he starts, you know, he starts pouring his heart out to me. And, I'm, and in the back of my mind, I'm going, God, really? <laughs> I mean, I need somebody to minister to me. Really? You're going to send this guy to me? And I, so, but I, I just sucked it up and started pouring into that guy. And after a while, Ray, whew, I, I wasn't near as down as I was a minute ago. I, all of a sudden, I felt something getting stirred up inside of me. Every once in a while, you just got to shake it up. <laughs> No, I'm not going to go there. You know, you know what I mean? You, you've got to stir up the gift that's inside of you because your dream may be the answer to someone else's hope. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11 God says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. There are plans for peace and not disaster, plans to give you a future and hope, or a, a future filled with hope. Everybody say hope. I wonder what would have happened if when Joseph found himself serving Potiphar as a slave that he would have decided to run away. Sometimes we're running away from the very thing God's trying to use to bring our dreams to pass. Well, I don't like what's going on. There's been a lot of times I hadn't liked what's going on. But I found something out. When you run it doesn't change anything. All it does is just prolong the inevitable. You can't run from your problems. You have to stand and face them. Yeah, you can run to Jesus. And when you run to Jesus, he'll be right there to help you solve your problem. Amen? So let me ask you a question today. Are you ready to dream again? Are you ready to... And, and here's the thing is... Whose dream is it? Is it your dream or is it his dream? I had a dream of being a great singer. 
and my wife will not give me the opportunity. I just know I could have excelled. And, you know, but here's the truth, is if you're just trying to fulfill your dreams and your desires, you're really not serving God. It's when all of a sudden you're saying, God, I want you to dream your dream through me. Let me yield myself to your dream. If I had pursued the singing, nobody in here would be blessed. Well, what about preaching? You know, what, what about, you know the first time I preached, my hands sweated and my knees knocked and I remembered saying, God, if this is what you're calling me to do, just go ahead and let me die now because I can't do this. I can't do this. Dreams do not come without obstacles. And God had a dream for my life. I was 15 years old, asked to be a janitor in a church that had metal fold-up chairs and aluminum, aluminum, <laughs> linoleum on the floor, and I had an old rag mop. And I used to get out there and do that rag mop and sing that song, Jesus, use me. Lord, please don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I can do. If you would have gone to, up to that 15-year-old boy all those years ago and told him one day you're going to travel the world preaching the gospel, he wouldn't have believed you because the dream was bigger than he was. <laughs> can I tell you this, that God's dream is always bigger than you are? God's dream for your life is always bigger than you are because if you're dreaming a dream that you can fulfill, God's not going to get any credit. <laughs> but if you dream something that it's going to take God to fulfill, guess who's going to get all the glory for it? Would you stand with me right now? Are you ready to dream? Are you ready to say, God, here I am. Use me. How many of you want to fly to higher heights than you've ever been? Eighteen years old, nine, maybe 19 years old, I went to, I was in Branson, Missouri with my fiance and my mother and I got on a helicopter. Man, what a sensation. How many of you have ever been on a helicopter? Just hold your hand up if you've ever been on. Helicopter, man, is the closest thing to making you feel like you're flying, kind of like Superman. You know what I mean? And we, we were on that, but the guy was very careful, and I asked, I said, could I fly it for a little bit? He wouldn't let me touch it. But when I turned <clears throat> 60, and I know it's hard for you to believe that. It was a birthday destined to be in the future. <laughs> when I turned 60, my wife arranged for me to have another helicopter ride. This was in Cape Girardeau. This was my kind of pilot, man. <laughs> I got in that plane. He said, you want to fly? <laughs> really? Debbie's in the back seat praying through. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> She was sick. I don't know whether it was my flight or her. <laughs> huh? I ate too many cherries. There's not a George Washington among us. Okay. <laughs> okay, so he said, you can fly it if you want to. So I got a hold of it and started flying. I thought, wow. Wow. <laughs> and then... He did this, he said, you know, he said, now they're crop dusting a lot with helicopters. So because it doesn't waste as much spray. He said, let me show you. He takes me out over a field, drops down about this high off the field, man. And we are flying through there like that. And I'm going, oh my goodness. He takes me down the river, flies me down the middle of the river. And we land in the middle of the river on an island. 
and then we took off again. I, I came real close to asking him to fly me here just so I could get out, go in and say, hey, everybody. <laughs> A dream that takes you higher than you've ever been before will change not only you, but it'll change those around you because it gives you a perspective you've never had before. Are you ready for it? If you are, I want you to move out of where you're at right now and come to the front of this building. Very quickly, just real quick, just if, if you're ready to fly, if you're ready to dream, let me say it this way. If, you're, if, if your request is God, dream your dream through me. I don't want my own will. I want your will in my life. And I want you to come and stand with me for just a moment today. Oh, come on. Is this all the dreamers I've got in this house today? Do you now ask yourself a question? And, I, and I'm not, I'm not going to pick on you. Yeah, I am. When I used to spend more time in the altar than anybody, not because I was away from God, but because I wanted God to have his way in my life. And I didn't care what anybody thought. I didn't care what anybody said. I was determined that God was going to use my life. There were a few nights I went to the church and just stayed. And laid on my face and said, God, please have your way in my life. I pray that we never get past that that we never get past that hunger that pulls on our heart and that calls us to him. And that we never get to the place where we feel like, well, I'm not gonna do that. There's no job that's so insignificant if you're doing it for God that it's not worth doing with all your heart. I'm not too good to scrub a toilet. And I've scrubbed a few in my time. But the day that I feel like I'm too good to scrub a toilet is the day that all my dreams are going to go down the toilet. Because this isn't about us. This is all about Him. She you raise your hands to heaven with me right now? I want to challenge you to dream. I'm challenging you to ask God to dream through you, to let his dream come through you. Just hold your hands up a second. Let's pray. Father, here we are. We're asking you, God, to dream through us. asking you to flow through us. We're asking you to have your way, God. And we give you praise and glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. Hold on just a second. Hold on. I want you to look at me just a second. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Just stay with me here. How, how do we let God dream through us? I want to make this practical so you get it, so that, that you walk out of here knowing that it can happen. Any of you ever remember siphoning gas? You know what I'm talking about? You stick that hose down in that tank. What, what did you do with that hose before you stuck it in the tank? You blow through it to make sure that there was no trash in it. How many of us need the breath of God to blow on us? <laughs> yes. You know what I'm talking about? Do you ever think about the way the Holy Spirit came like a rushing mighty wind? It was blowing all the junk out before it put anything in. Blow, blow the debris out. Get, get rid of the trashy thoughts. Get, 
Get rid of the, the stuff, that the trash that affects your spirit, that That's tries right. to pull at you and steals your joy and robs you of your vision. Hear me today. You need to understand that the Bible said the joy of the Lord is my strength. So when you start feeling depressed, it's because the devil wants to take, make you weak. And he'll find, he'll find whatever it is and use it to take away your joy. So if he finds out that messing with your finances causes you to get down and out and lose all your joy, he's going to get in your back pocket every day of the week. If he finds out that your family causes you to lose all your joy, he's going to constantly attack your family. You've got to come to the place where you say, okay, God, look, I don't like this and I don't want this, but I'm not letting this take my joy. I'm not letting this steal my dream. I am going to trust you. Blow out the trash and then what'd you do? You had to start sucking to get the flow. Now let me let me tell you something. This is important. You get this. That the only way the flow could happen was you had to make sure that the container that was receiving it was lower than the container that was giving it. John said, I must decrease so he can increase. I've got to humble myself so he can flow through me because if I ever start getting exalted, I'm going to stop the flow. If I ever start lifting myself up, and, this is Pride Month. You know, first thing that came to me when somebody told me is Pride Month, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's right. That's right. Stretch your hands to heaven with me. Father, I thank you, God, right now, Lord, for our brother. God, just every, wait, I, I want everybody to back up from him, okay? Father, we thank you. God, we're just asking you to touch him right now. Lord, touch him right now. I thank you, God, for your healing hand. God, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Grant it to him now. Grant it to him now. We praise you for it right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. My heart has been in your sights long before my first breath. Running into your arms is running to life from death. I feel this rush. Deep in my chest, your mercy is calling out. Just as I am, you pull me in. I know I need you now. I run to the Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I run to the Father again and again. I run to the Father, I fall into grace, I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart found a surgeon, my soul found a friend, so I run to the Father again. to take so much from you but God's promise to restore he said that he would restore what the canker worm got what the caterpillar what the locust got he's going to restore are you ready tell me your name say again Lawrence father I thank you for Lawrence today God has been in your sights long before my first breath running into your arms is running to life 
excited about it because it was a confirmation to some of the things that I'd said earlier is that God is going to begin to use us but he's got to get us to that place where get all the trash out get, get all the thinking out get all the things that hinder out of the way so he's got free access so he can flow freely through you now, you need to recognize that the devil doesn't want that to happen. But I've never really cared what the devil wanted. Amen. So what we do is we submit ourselves unto God, resist the devil, and we got a promise that he's going to flee from us. So don't give place to the devil. Just the other thing is that we need each other. Turn around and look at someone and say, I need you. I've, I've got to have you. I, I need you. I can't make it without you. I need you. I, we need one another. I'm, I'm going to end with this. We're going to pray. But there's a, there was a, there's a show that's on, and I don't know how long it's been on. I just found it the other day. It's called Alone. And they take 10 people, and they put them in wilderness situations. They drop groups off on an island that was surrounded by the ocean and there were like 7,000 bears on that island and I think 1,000 cougars and 200 wolves. And they're given 10 items to survive with that they choose, an ax, whatever they choose. And then whoever can stay the longest wins $500,000, but you don't have any food, so you have to, you have to, you, you gotta know how to survive and it's called alone. And there's a reason. I really became intrigued as I started watching this because, you know, there, there were some people that tapped out because bears 
were right outside their tent at night. And they got no, there's no gun, there's no, you know. And, and they tapped out and said, come and get me, I, I can't do this. Others tapped out because they accidentally hit themselves with an ax and one cut a tendon and they had to come in and take them out in another cut and, and they said, we can't fix this here, you've got to go in. But over 80% of the people that tap out, tap out because they're alone, because they can't stand to be alone. What did happened in the book of Genesis, very first book in the Bible, God makes a statement and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. We need each other. We've got to have one another. And so in the months that come, you're going to recognize this, that God is uniting us together. He's blowing some trash out of our life. He's getting rid of some things so he can flow through us the way he wants to flow through us. If one can put a thousand a flight to 10,000, and that was talking about the enemy. That wasn't even talking about us. That was talking about the enemy. What do you think God can do with us? If, if we just let him do it. The Bible said, if God before you, who my friend can be against you? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The devil's trying to mess with our thinking. It's time to say, God, come in here like a mighty Russian wind and blow all this junk out. Get it out of my head, get it out of my spirit that I am who you said I am. I can do what you said I can do and I'm gonna be who you said I'm going to be in Jesus' name. I want you to grab somebody by the hand right now. I want you to look at him and say, you're not alone. Say it again, you're not alone. Tell him I'm your wingman. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna watch for you. I'm gonna take anything to get, man, I think about, well, I, I gotta stop going preaching on the message, okay. Say, you're not alone. Don't ever feel like it. Don't ever feel like you're alone. That's the trick of the devil, to make you think you're alone. You are not alone. God, we come to you today and ask you to just flow through us. We're not asking you to fulfill our dreams. We're asking you to fulfill your dreams through us. God, we yield ourselves to you today. We pray, Father, have your way. God, we're ready. Lord, get us, get us prepared. We understand that all the trials and all the tests are just to make sure that we're equipped for what you've already called us to do. We praise you for it right now, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in this house. Love each other. Remember, July 2nd, special service. Don't miss that. You'll want to be here for that. We'll see you next week.